views and opinions expressed today on Black Focus Radio are not the views and opinions of the station, its management, or its advertisers. Now, let's get ready to focus on our issues, our solutions, using our voices on Black Focus Radio. Welcome to Black Focus, the show designed with our community in mind, where we focus on our issues, developing our solutions using our voices. Central Arkansas, surrounding areas, and the nation. Get ready. Black Focus starts right now. Phone lines open at 855-525-5683. So here's your host, David W. Coleman and Robert Webb. All right, what's happening? Welcome to the show, Black Focus Radio. Our issues, our solutions, our voices, 855-525-5683 is the number. That's how you get in touch with us. If you'd like to join the show, you can also hit us up on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to download the podcast. Just go out to your favorite platform and search for Black Focus Radio. We're on like 10 different ones, so you can't miss us. You can't miss any of the show as well, so... Carry it everywhere you go, download it, whatever you want to do, spread the word, tell a friend, like it, certainly on all of the platforms as well. We are growing by leaps and bounds, and we really appreciate all the people that listen to the show uh, every day. We try to bring a show every day. There are times when we cannot, based on uh, my uh, other obligations, uh, but we always try to put something on for you fresh and proper to make sure you're up to date and in the know about things that are going on with and around our community. So we've got a lot of stuff to talk about today. At some point, we're going to talk about Christian nationalism. I think you need to pay attention to what this is all about and what it stands for. This is nothing more than racism, folks, and we're going to get into that as well. Robert Johnson speaks. He's a former founder of BET, uh, multi-millionaire uh, uh, Robert Johnson. Uh, he's talking about reparations. I find that interesting. Uh, Stephen Lopez has been exonerated. If you weren't familiar with who that person was, uh, we talked a little bit about this last week, the Central Park 6, not 5, but 6. This was a young man whose name went uh, unnoticed because of uh, him pleading guilty early on uh, when, in fact, <clears throat> he had nothing to do with the jog- with the uh, rapist rape of the jogger. So uh, he's been exonerating as of last Monday. We'll get you up to date on that as well. We'll probably try to get some information or at least talk a little bit about what's going on in Israel and why are we turning a blind eye to this. It makes no sense at all to me. Uh, This is nothing more than South Africa all over again. And the irony is that Israel supported South Africa at the height of their apartheid regime. And what's going on in, in, in Israel today is nothing more than apartheid. So we'll get into that a little bit as well. Uh, We're also, and you know, I always say every time I get out, uh, you drag me back in and you're dragging me back in again uh, with news late last week that there is a potential swap for Brittany Griner. And I've said it before when the news came out that this was a person that Russia was interested in, uh, Victor Bout that that should not happen, and I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to say it again. We should not be swapping terrorists, period. If we don't negotiate with terrorists, we don't negotiate with terrorists. And what Russia is is a damn terrorist. And we certainly shouldn't be swapping an arms dealer for a basketball player. I'm going to talk about that a little bit as well. And also, early on, we're going to try to get into Black Panther. 
the uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever has been released and people are losing their minds. <laughs> I'm just saying. People are losing their minds, man. It, it, it's it's simply unbelievable. So uh, we'll get into that as well. But before we do anything else, you know, we've got to do black facts. And let's go ahead and do this right now. Dynamic black facts. Our culture, our history, our people. Well, uh, it's kind of ironic. A friend of mine, uh, Art Burton, uh, who lives in Oklahoma, who is a huge uh, black Western um, aficionado and talks a lot about how blacks owned and conquered the West. And, of course, a great jazz aficionado as well, by the way. A shout out to you, Art. Uh, and um, he happened to make a post a couple of days ago. is, And it said, when are they going to make a great Buffalo Soldier movie? It's time. And, you know, I happen to do agree with him because we hear so much about the Buffalo Soldiers, but there hasn't been a credible movie that has been made about the Buffalo Soldiers. So I would love to see one. So it just so happens that uh, here's a piece that was, that was put out the other day, and it's um, about the Buffalo Soldiers. So... We're going to get into that a little bit today, okay? So why don't we go ahead and do that right now? July 28th marks the annual celebration of Buffalo Soldier Day, a commemorative holiday that celebrates the contributions of the 1st Army Regiment comprised of African-American soldiers. Following the U.S. Civil War, African-American soldiers were deployed on the western frontier to protect settlers and battle Native Americans encroaching upon the territory. In 1866, Congress passed the Army Organization Act, which formalized the creation of six all-black U.S. cavalry and infantry units, according to History.com. Under the legislation, African-American men were granted the constitutional right to enlist in the army. The Buffalo soldiers were split into two regiments, the 9th and 10th Cavalries. Army.com estimates that over 180,000 African-American men served with the special military units. The Buffalo soldiers adjusted the way America and the U.S. military viewed race. Sergeant Major Quincy Rice of the Military Surface Development Distribution Command's Directorate of Operations Sergeant Major told the website during an interview. They proved to be courageous and well-disciplined soldiers. Some historians speculate that the African-American troops were called Buffalo Soldiers because of the courage and bravery they exhibited while fighting in battle. Others believe the term pays homage to the robes they wore during combat which were made of the skin and hair of buffalo, presumably to keep them warm in cold temperatures. Some history buffs predict that the term could have carried negative connotations about the soldiers, possibly referencing their skin and hair. Whatever the case, in today's society, buffalo soldier is seen as a commendable 
praise and one that comes with incredible honor to the legacy of the troops who fought to protect America. In addition to protecting the western frontier, Buffalo soldiers helped to control the Native Americans of the plains. They also captured cattle rustlers and thieves and assisted in protecting stagecoaches, wagon trains, and railroad crews along the western front. The soldiers helped to build roads all while facing challenging terrain, inadequate supplies, and discrimination. The pain and disrespect the Buffalo soldiers and all soldiers of color faced years ago in the Army paved the way for soldiers today to blossom into leaders that were never seen before, Sergeant Rice said of the troops' tenacity. The hard work of the Buffalo soldiers laid down a stable foundation for minority soldiers to manage their aspirations of greatness with full confidence and ingenuity to serve at the highest levels of the U.S. military. While some fought in combat, others fought to protect national parks across the United States. Soldiers were deployed near Yosemite and Sequoia National Park to help combat wildfires and poachers. According to the National Park Service, Buffalo soldiers lodged at Presidio Army Post in San Francisco during the winter and served as park rangers in the Sierra Nevada in the summer. The 9th Cavalry assembled in New Orleans between August and September of 1866. Soldiers went through intense training during the winter and were ordered to serve in San Antonio, Texas a year later. While there, the soldiers' mission was to protect the road from San Antonio to El Paso and to maintain order among Native Americans who allegedly at the time were frustrated with life on the Indian reservation due to broken promises by the federal government. Soldiers were issued the difficult task of remaining or removing some tribes from the area, all the while they too were subjected to discrimination by the U.S. government. Based in Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, the 10th Cavalry formed in 1867 with the task of protecting the Pacific Railroad while under construction at the time. While deployed in the area, some troops fought hundreds of Cheyenne and two, in two separate battles near the Saline River. The 38th Infantry Regiment was also present during the intense battle. Historians believe the Buffalo soldiers were triumphant during the fight despite having inferior equipment and being greatly outnumbered. Colonel Charles Young, only the third African-American graduate of the United States Military Academy, led the Buffalo Soldiers with distinction in the 9th and 10th U.S. Cavalry and was the first African-American to achieve the rank of Colonel in the U.S. Army. A native of Mays Lick, Kentucky, Young was born to enslaved parents in the South. He graduated from high school with honors and became an elementary school's teacher two years before taking his entrance exam for the United States Military Academy at West Point. The, dedication, the dedicated soldier's military journey was not easy. Young faced discrimination from instructors and fellow cadets while obtaining his Army certification, but he persevered. 
He became the third black graduate from the institution in 1889, following in the legendary footsteps of Henry Ossian Flipper and John Hanks Alexander. Young served as a second lieutenant and was assigned to the 9th Cavalry in Fort Robinson, Nebraska and Fort Duchesne, Utah, a regiment of Buffalo soldiers. The incredible soldier who in April was posthumously promoted to Brigadier General made history in 1903 when he became the first black National Park Superintendent. Young also became the first black military attache to be stationed in the Dominican Republic and was appointed military attache in Liberia in 1912. In between his duties, Young often taught military science at Wilberforce University in Ohio. He also helped train black soldiers during World War I and in 1920. Young passed away January 8, 1922, after he became ill following a research expedition in Nigeria. His legacy now lives on at the Charles Young Buffalo Soldiers National Monument, which is established in which was established in 2013 in Wilberforce, Ohio, to commemorate his passion and dedication to the force. No one ever knew the truth about the hell he went through at West Point. Civil rights activist W.B. Du Bois, who was a close friend of Young, wrote in an edition of the NAACP's The Crisis, a publication that was published monthly, monthly a month after he died. He was one of the few men I know who literally turned the other cheek with Jesus Christ, Du Bois continued. He was laughed at, for it was his own people chided him bitterly, yet he per persisted. When a white southern pygmy at West Point protested to taking food from a dish passed first to Young, Young passed it to him first and afterward to himself. When officers of inferior rank refused to salute a nigger, he saluted them. Seldom did he lose his temper, seldom complained. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our black fact for today. The Buffalo Soldiers featuring Colonel Charles Young, only the third African-American to graduate at the United States Military Academy at the time and led the Buffalo Soldiers with distinction in the 9th and 10th U.S. Cavalry and was the first African-American to achieve the rank of Colonel in the United States Army. My brother, my brothers, we salute you. And that's our black fact for today. to Black Focus Radio for more dynamic black facts, our culture, our history, our people on joinatradio.com. And don't forget, if you would like to sponsor Dynamic Black Facts, give me a call at 615-554-0568 or you can hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube 
we'll put together a nice advertising package for you. And every time we run Black Facts, we'll talk about your spot. Okay? All right. So, great Black Fact, by the way. And uh, the 28th, yeah, that was Black Buffalo Soldier Day. You know what I'd like, you know, when I, when I first read this? I need some Buffalo Soldier paraphernalia. I need a jersey, a hat, something. You know what I'm saying? I'm about to look into that. I'm loving the way all this, this black history is coming out and white people are going crazy. It's like, oh my God, we've been lied to. Well, we can't let it come out. It'll ruin our children. Bob, do something. <laughs> you can't hide it, baby. It's here. All right, a couple of other things before we go to break here. Uh, yeah, we've got a little time here. Uh, two great icons have passed away within the last couple of days. One of them, I think I'll save her for last. One of them was Bill Russell, the great Bill Russell. You all remember him, right? Uh, he was a legend. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. He was 98, I mean, 88 years old, uh, played in the turbulent 60s uh, for the Boston Celtics of all places. Uh, one of the, in my opinion, the I hate Boston, always have, and part of the reason I've hated the Celtics. But it's amazing how when you go back and look at the Celtics history, where there are so many iconic black people who played for that team, although it was it is considered and still considered one of the most racist cities in America. Uh, just a few weeks ago, they did an interview with LeBron James and some other players. And they talked about the bigotry and the racism that goes on in that arena. Nothing has changed. And I've told you before, the, the one picture that colored my sense of what Boston was all about was doing, it was in the history books. And those of you who are old enough, you will probably remember this picture. And periodically, you see that picture now. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I saw it. Someone posted it on Facebook a few months ago. But it's a picture of a white man. Uh, because Bostonians did not want um, desegregated schools, and they fought like dog, cats and dogs. You know, did all kinds of horrendous things to black people. This was in the 70s, folks. The late 60s, early 70s. But there was a picture that was captured of a white man that was literally stabbing a black man with a flagpole, with the American flag raped, wrapped around it. And it was in our history books, and from... For, from forever, that colored my picture of Boston. So I'm not surprised. But back to Bill Russell. Russell led the Celtics to 11 NBA titles, uh, two as a player coach. Uh, I mean, his resume is, I mean, you can't really, really say, talk anything bad about Bill Russell. They, he had the iconic, the iconic matchups between he and Chamberlain that was just unbelievable. Um, let's see. He is rivaled by Henry Pocket Rocket Richard, who hosted the Stanley Cup 11 times with the Canadian, the Montreal Canadiens, and Yogi Berra, who uh, uh, a member of the 10-time World Series champion Yankees. No modern player holds a candle to Russell's accomplishments. The award for the most valuable player of the NBA Finals named after him. Okay. NBA commissioner called Russell the greatest champion in all of team sports in a tribute recounting the player's career. Silver, 
said that he cherished the personal friendship with Russell while offering his condolences. Stephen A. Smith tweeted, my deepest condolences to the family, loved ones, and the NBA community on the loss of the greatest champion we've ever known, Bill Russell, an activist, a pioneer, a humanitarian. He made the world better for us all. Rest in peace, champion. So you're getting Magic Johnson. You're getting all kinds of tributes coming from everyone. Uh, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, but that's Russell. I mean... It just goes on and on and on. And unfortunately, 88 years old, lived a great life, uh, NBA champion, NBA icon, at one point was an NBA analyst uh, uh, as well. I mean, what can you say about Russell? Just a class act all the way around. And it's always sad when we lose people like that. But unfortunately, you know, it's a dance that we're all will be invited to at some point in our lives. So to live to be 88 years old, congratulations to him. And he will certainly, certainly be missed by friends and family alike. Because, I mean, his, I mean, what can you say? He, I mean, he, God, I mean, when you talk about greatness, and we'll talk about more of this on uh, the Weekly Sports Magazine coming up this Saturday. But when you talk about greatness, everybody always want to talk about Michael Jordan. If you want to just point to rings, Oh, well, Bill Russell is, is the GOAT, period. All right? So, another icon passed away. And I'm going to tell you, growing up, we as young black men, there were certain women. There, there weren't many black women on TV. But the ones that were on TV or that were in movies, we fawned over them. I, I, I Look, let's be real. I can, I can name something right now. Pam Greer. Man, everybody wanted them some Pam Grill. Man, she, oh, yeah. Diane Curl. Woo, man. Lord, Lord. Yeah. Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. <laughs> yeah, Julia. Yeah, that was Diane Curl. She played Julia. You know, yeah, huh. Mm -hmm. Thelma from Good Times. Yeah. Woo, Lord, Lord. Lord, Elba. Ooh, she's still beautiful, too. You know, I mean, there were certain black women. It weren't many of them out there, man. You know, the black women that you did see, they were usually, they were usually in singing groups. You know, you had Joni from the, uh, what, the, uh, the, what, Sister Sledge. You know, there were some cuties out there, man. You know, what was the sister that sang for Atlantic Star? I can't think of her name. But, there was one, man. I'm going to tell you, every young boy fantasized about this woman. Because you got to see almost everything. And that was, that, was, that was Nicole Nichols. I mean, Nichelle Nichols. And then she had this sexy name, Nichelle. Not Michelle. Everybody was a Michelle. But she was a Nichelle. And she was on Star Trek. And everybody watched Star Trek. She was the only black thing on Star Trek. And she played a part. She had, oh, I forgot I forgot about Peggy on, on uh on Maddox. <laughs> See, they're just they're just coming back to me. Uh, but there was Nichelle every week on Star Trek in that little tight red outfit. 
them big old thighs, that nice body. Now, she had one of the early black six-packs. Man. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Come back, David. Come back. Come back. I'm okay. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, I say all that to say that Nichelle Nichols has passed away at 89. Still a graceful sister. Was very beautiful. There was some concerns about her uh, later on uh, and her estate. But uh, Nichelle Nichols has passed away at 89 and gave every, uh, you know, she she was the first time you heard uh, a black name. You know, you really had, you heard it, you heard it in the, with the, the black Muslims and you heard it with the, the, the black Panthers. But she had a black name on TV, an African name. Nyota Uura. Yeah. Oh, that was sexy. Uhura. Yeah. Yeah, Lieutenant. Yeah, and she was always on Star Trek every Thursday night. Yeah, and in the reruns. Yeah. You only watch Star Trek if you're a black kid because you want to see how fine the Shell Nichols was. And when you be talking with your friends and people be talking about how fine these black women are and you go down the list, a lot of people, because a lot of black kids didn't watch Star Trek, I don't know why, but I did. Because I was a nerd. I believed in space, the final frontier. Though we watched the voyages of the Star Trek Enterprise. I watched because I wanted to see Nichelle Nichols with a fine black. Okay. Okay, okay, come back, David. Come back. Well, no, we gotta go. I mean, we, I mean, we gotta go to break, and we'll do that here in just a moment. But I just want to take a couple of moments out to, and seriously, take a moment to talk about Michelle Nichols and Bill Russell, mainstays that imprinted on our minds as black people, who did black the right way. We're gonna take a break. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Black Focus Radio. Our issues, our solutions. Our voices on joinedradio.com. Insurance Group is the small business that we need to turn everybody on to. Javita Nelson is the expert advisor and licensed in 20 states. Synergy Insurance Group has been offering personalized insurance services since 1997. Call Javita at 877 Go Love INS. She can help you with old fashioned personal service. Synergy Insurance Group is the one that you want and need for affordable insurance. Specializing in burial plans that will allow you and yours to personalize your final expenses. Check out Synergy Insurance Group on the web at synergyinsgroup.biz. Or talk to Javita at 877-GO-GLOVE-INS. The purpose of this commercial is to promote various insurance products. National producer numbers 1661510 and 7529748. 
Hi, this is Alvin from Habibi's Durable Medical Equipment Company. Because of COVID, many of us have lost our jobs and are unable to feed our kids like we wish. If your child is underweight, five years of age or older, and on Medicaid, you may be able to get formula to help them regain their healthy weight. You will need a prescription from their primary care physician and give us a call and let us help. Our number is 501 663 1553. We are open five days a week from 9 to 5. Have your doctor fax your prescription to our fax line, which is 501-661-0738 today. Keeping your child healthy is our priority. That's Habibi's, 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 your durable medical equipment center. We are located 4317 East Broadway in North Little Rock. That number again is 663-1553. 663-1553. Hey guys, this is David Ashley, Deacon David Ashley. I want to turn y'all on to the Deacon Days radio show. It's a praise project. We're going to be playing music from inspirational artists and gospel artists from all over the world never ever heard of and also we'll be interviewing and asking them very pertinent questions to why and how they came up with their music don't forget the Deacon Dave's radio show it's a praise project Saturdays from 10 to 11 on joynetradio.com Welcome back to the show. Black Focus Radio, our issues, our solutions, our voices. 855-525-5683 is the number. That's how you get in touch with me if you'd like to join the show. Yeah. Y'all know what that is now, right? Okay. Okay, 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 okay. Alright, if you don't know, that's the Black Panther theme music, okay? And last week, late last week, the Wakanda Forever theme music, uh, or the Wakanda Forever, the first clip, the first trailer was released. And man, folks have went crazy, man. Folks have really went crazy, I'm going to tell you. So, the how many, uh, I've got to look this up real fast. How many views did the Wakanda Forever uh, trailer get? Uh, there, there was actually... Uh, it doesn't. All right. All right. Here you go. So, in 24 hours, the Wakanda Forever trailer got 172 million views in just 24 hours, man. Can you believe that? If you're telling me that people are not clamoring for Black Panther, you're crazy, man. It was a great movie. Let's be realistic. It really was, okay? I must admit myself, and I think I have a little bit of bona fides when it comes to comic books, considering that I 
read tons of comic books growing up, including the Black Fat Panther. He was my favorite. He, the Daredevil, Spider-Man, Thor, Hawkeye. Let's see who else was. Um, Luke Cage, Power Man. So, you know, at one point my son would come to me when these movies first come out, came out and said, Dad, how does that relate to the comic books? Yeah. Yeah, this is Black Panther, the theme. So, I got a couple of observations here, and we'll just kind of let that play in the background. I have a couple of observations about observations about the Black Panther. First and foremost, let's look, Chadwick Boseman, man, hell of an actor, played the hell out of Black Panther, and the other movies that he starred in as well. But at the end of the day, you got to recast Black Panther. If you're going to keep the story going, Black Panther has got to be there. There's no Black Panther without Black Panther. Now, I know there was a period of time that Black Panther was taken over by Shiri, which is what they're introducing in... At least that's what I think they're doing. Okay, I don't know, but I got a feeling... I don't think it's going to be another person. But they've got to reintroduce Black Panther. The other thing about this trailer that was excited, because they're getting ready to introduce Namor. And Namor was one of the arch enemies of Black Panther. I mean, Namor was, I don't know, he was so, I don't know how to explain Namor, man. Namor, I like the Submariner too, yeah. He was one of those, I don't know, weird people that he really didn't keep his word on a lot of stuff. Okay? So, they're going to introduce him. By the way, uh, they're making him more like a Latino guy, uh, an Aztec king who, I think they said, who, to avoid the Spaniards, they ended up moving into the sea and their bodies adapted. So, anyway, not to get all in the woods, weeds about that. But, Actually, Namor was from the city of Atlantis. All right? So, that's what, that was the trailer. And they didn't really show the Black Panther. They showed a right hand, which looked like a woman's hand. But, I mean, it stands a reason that Sherry is going to do this. So, by the way, love me some Sherry, too. I just like her style. Mm, she's so sexy. Anyway, I'm sorry. Come back, David. So, that's the Black Panther. A couple of other observations about this. Man, y'all done went crazy. And I'm going to tell you like this. I ain't wearing no damn white to the Black Panther. Who the hell decided that we, oh, black people, let's march and step. Let's wear all, everybody, when we go see Black Panther, let's wear white. I ain't wearing no damn white. I'm wearing what the hell I want to wear. Hell, I don't even go to these stupid parties. Uh, this is a white party. Ain't going no damn white. I'm not going to look like you. Shit. I almost, <laughs> almost said something, okay? But no, I am not wearing white to the Black Panther release, okay? If you want to have a little party and you want to have everybody, look, I'm going to show up in what I'm going to show up in. And most of the time, y'all know what color I wear, right? Black. Okay? So, I'm not showing up wearing no white for Black Panther. 
Okay? Don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at me. So, y'all gonna be sheep. That's your damn problem right now. All of y'all are sheep. You know, there is no independency among black people anymore. Let's just let's just do it because everybody else is doing. Let's just be a lemming and just follow the crowd. <laughs> okay, if you mad, y'all getting mad at me or not enough anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm over y'all being mad at me. I just y'all know I'm just gonna speak my mind. Hmm, that's the bottom line. Okay, so, um. 172 million views in 24 hours. It's the, that's really amazing to me. It just that just shows you the clamor for Black Panther. It, I mean, look, it was a positive movie. I knew it was good. If they did it right, I knew it was gonna drive people crazy. I knew it and it did. And rightfully so. It just so happens that it hurts that Chadwick Bozeman passed away. Before he can make another one. And again, you gotta recast this, man. Okay? I mean, I love Chadwick, Chadwick Bozeman as well, but let me ask you something. How many times have they recast as Superman or any of these other characters that we've seen? Not just in uh not just superheroes, but just various retelling of stories. It makes all the sense in the world. You know, that old saying one monkey don't stop no show. And I'm not trying to be um, you know, you know, disingenuous or disrespectful to the Bozeman, the Bozeman uh, uh, legacy. But this movie has got to go on. This is a positive movie that has influenced tons and tons of black folks. Man, I remember when this movie first came out and the effect that it had on black people. I think it scared white folks. I don't. I can't remember another time, even with the different national holidays that we celebrate. I can't remember another time that one thing that created such a positive image in black people. I can't remember it. In fact, in my knowledge, I don't think there has been anything. So, yeah, this has got to be recast. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. But I'm certainly looking forward to seeing Wakanda Forever uh, as well to see how things work out. And uh, and we'll see it go from there. I just got a message. By the way, if you haven't seen the new pictures of my grandbaby, you're missing the little doll, man. I'm going to tell you. Don't, oh, I'm sorry. Don't let me start talking about my grandbaby. You know, you're missing a doll. She is just so wonderful. She is and so beautiful as well. Uh, as well. So uh, my son and them drove down from Maryland. Uh, so I went up to Memphis to see them. So... That was pretty cool. Anyway, so we were talking about Black Panther. And since we're, we'll just take the rest of this hour to talk about some other issues. Next hour, we're going to talk about Christian, Christian nationalism. And it's going to support what I've been saying all along about white Christianity is an oxymoron. Okay? So you need to understand what Christian na nationalism is all about because we had a U.S. senator talk about being a Christian nationalist. It's at a point now where they're not they're not covering they're not sugarcoating anything. They're telling you we're racist and we're proud of it. And we're gonna do everything we can to preserve our racism. We're gonna talk about that here in a moment. But before we do that, I wanna talk a little bit. Let's see here. Oh, 
the Central Park jogger has been exonerated. That happened last Monday. You know, we talked about this on the show a few shows ago. Uh, we talked about Stephen Lopez. A lot of people didn't realize that there was a six jogger. Not it wasn't the Central Park Five. It was a six, Central Park Six. Uh, he was exonerated by uh, both his attorney and prosecutors at the court uh, hearing in Manhattan. Uh, Lopez was 15 when he's arrested along with five other black and the Latino teenagers uh, in the rape and assault of Trisha Melly. He reached a deal with prosecutors to plead guilty to a lesser charge that he and several others mugged a male jogger the same night. So in other words, they forced him to plead guilty to another charge that he had nothing to do with as well. Uh, District Attorney Alan Bragg told the judge Monday that a review of the case found that Lopez had pleaded guilty involuntarily in the false in the face of false statements and under immense external pressure. He served more than three years behind bars before he was released in the early 1990s. Lopez is now 48, uh, didn't give a statement in the court, and left without speaking to reporters. So there you go. Good for Mr. Lopez. Uh, of course, there was a $41 million settlement that the Central Park Five got, and they deserved every penny of it. Certainly, at some point, you need to make sure that Mr. Lopez get his cut. Okay? No ifs, ands, or buts about it. 855-525-5683 is the number. That's how you get in touch with us if you want to join the show. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about two black billionaires. Yeah, I said two black me, two black millionaires, or I should say billionaires. It ain't many of them, and it's interesting what they're saying. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Black Focus Radio. Our issues, our solutions, our voices on JoinEdRadio.com. David W. Coleman, host of Black Focus Radio and the weekly sports magazine. We here at joinedradio.com would like to thank you for all the love and support you've given us. Our goal is to keep you inspired and informed daily with quality programming from gospel music, news talk, and sports. Log on to joinedradio.com for the program lineup, and while there, be sure to make a donation, then download our app and carry us anywhere in the world. Please continue to spread the word about Joined radio.com and if you are an entrepreneur or have an upcoming event or you'd like to start a show let the professional writers and producers here at joinedradio.com help you get the word out call me at 615-554-0568 for more details in the meantime stay informed and inspired daily right here on joinedradio.com hello to quality time at marco's Hello to the best part of the day and to making someone else's. Say hello to late nights and to the best night ever. These are the primo moments and they call for Italian quality pizza. Dough made from scratch every day. Sauce with a history in the making from the original Giamarco recipe. Say hello to an authentic favorite. Every store, every day, the Italian way. Hello, primo. 
David W. Coleman here for Coleman's Dynamic Rib Rub and Rib Nuts. Go to ribrub.com, that's R-I-B-B-R-U-B-B.com right now, and stock up on the best dry marinades for baking, grilling, and smoking your favorite meats. Three great flavors, hot and spicy, original, and scorching. Try them at your next cookout and you will shout, bacon, grill it, shake it, oh yeah! Only one place to get Coleman's Dynamic products, that's ribrub.com. Easy to order and I'll ship direct to you or to friends and family anywhere in the United States. While on the site, be sure to check out other great items, especially the rib nuts. Who'd have thunk it? Peanuts sauteed in a barbecue marinade? That's just crazy good. Get them at ribrub.com right now, along with other great recipes. That's ribrub.com. If you don't like my rib rub or rib nuts, I'll give you money back. Do it today. That's Coleman's Dynamic Products at ribrub.com. Hey folks, are you looking for a place to exchange ideas and talk about the issues that affect our community? Then join me, David W. Coleman, and my co-host, Robert Webb, for Black Focus Radio. Every Monday through Friday, noon to 2 p.m. on joinatradio.com. We like to say, it's our issues, our solutions, our voices. Download the latest podcast on your favorite platform. Also catch us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. That's Black Focus Radio. Our issues, our solutions, our voices. On joinatradio.com. Welcome back to the show, Black Focus Radio, the last segment of the first hour. Next hour, we're going to talk a little bit about Christian nationalism and Israeli apartheid. That ought to be grand. <laughs> and I ain't wearing no damn white to the Black Panther premiere. Stop. I'm not. I'm, not. I'm wearing purple. Purple is royalty. Hell. Who came up with that idea anyway? <laughs> Yeah, I'm crazy. <clears throat> I don't care if you're mad either. All right, so I, I promise you, I, I, you're going to hear from two black billionaires this segment. First, let's start with uh, Robert Smith. And Robert Smith, let me just give you a little background. Robert Smith, Vista Equity Partners found and chairman, says that he, um, uh, based on his race, he was dis- he faced discrimination based on his race as a young man, and he still does. He speaks uh, on the latest episode of the David Rubenstein show, okay? And it just goes to show you that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much money you have, but Robert S. Smith has a lot of money, okay? He has a lot of money, and... I don't know why why my search is bringing up Will Smith. Robert F. Smith is the search I'm looking for. Let's see if it comes up. I love this this voice search. Uh, and let's see. Let's see. It, I'm, I'm looking for, let's see, the Robert F. Smith News. He's an investor. Uh, he was born in 1962. Uh, he pays the debt. He paid the debt of all the Morehouse graduates in 2019. Uh, I mean, he's, I mean, he's, he just, he just got bucks. He just got bucks. So 
Here's something he said that I found interesting. Because it makes sense, and you're seeing Robert F. Smith do things in the black community more openly now, and I'm hoping that other black billionaires and millionaires would do the same. So listen to this. The three jobs you had before mm -hmm. you went to business school, did you feel any discrimination against you because you were oh, African-American? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you, I, I, I've, it's one of those in America I have and still do. You know, I remember a time when I was actually at Air Products, and I was invited to give a talk uh, in California, in, in San Francisco, at one of the big conventions. And this, this you know, uh, man comes over, and he, he asks questions about, well, how does it work in the extension of shelf life of rice and cooked rice? And I'm telling him how, what the, you know, explain the, the, the dynamics, the biology, and the organoleptic uh, uh, issues you have to think about in addition to the microbiological issues. The guy said, you know, you, you, you're a very smart guy. You just have your heritage to overcome in order to be successful in business. And you know that kind of stuck with me at a time right. that you know after all of this wonderful work that I'm doing, he still viewed me through that right. lens as opposed to the work that I had done. Fascinating. Fascinating. See, and what that says is that regardless of how much you achieve black men, black women, you're still a nigga to them. You know what he just said? He said, regardless of all the stuff I had achieved, all the things I had accomplished, this, this white man told him that he still has his heritage to overcome. In other words, too bad you're black. Too bad you're a nigga. Otherwise, you'd really be great. And to some extent, we'd probably hear more about him. I mean, what that guy was saying to Robert F. Smith was probably a microcosm of how the American white public feels about it. We have to accept you because you make all this money and you got all this money, but we really don't accept you because you can't overcome your heritage. In other words, I still got white privilege, you don't. At the end of the day, with all the money that you have, Robert S. Smith, you ain't got white privilege. I found that fascinating. And the reason this is important is because so many of us think that because once we get the bag, we have to forsake our history, our culture. All of a sudden, we're Republicans. All of a sudden, we look down our nose at other black folks. We, we move out of black neighborhoods and move into white neighborhoods. We spend extra amount of dollars to move into these white neighborhoods only not to be wanted. That's what we do. And I'm hoping that black people will begin to wake up and say, okay, let's go back to the hood. Let's buy up all those abandoned buildings and those, those empty homes, those rundown homes that seniors live in that can't get them repaired. Let's, let's, let's offer small loans, or better still, Let's just go ahead and donate money. Let's use our expertise to find grants so that these people can rebuild their homes and their neighborhoods so that the property values that they have can increase as well. Why don't we do that? This is important. Because, again, I don't know many times I have to tell you, he just told you that you'll never be accepted by them. It don't matter how many cars you drive. 
It don't matter how big your house is. It don't care. It don't matter what neighborhood you live in. It doesn't even matter what job you have. At the end of the day, they still snicker behind your back and call you a nigga. I'm just being real with you. Sorry about the vernacular. This is a big boy show, okay? They still do that. We know that. So why not turn inward, turn homeward, and say, okay, I'm going to take my ball, and I'm going to go home, and I'm going to teach 10 black brothers how to do this. I'm going to teach 10 black sisters how to do this. I'm going to invest in them, and I'm going to walk them along the way. That's how we're going to save our community. We make, a, we make plenty of money, black athletes, black entertainers. How many gold grills can you buy? How many, how many, how many nights can you make it rain? How about making it rain in the hood by making sure that a mama and a daddy can feed their children so that they can stay together to make sure that that family unit is solid so we can build positive black men and women. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. 855-525-5683 is the number, which brings me to another black billionaire. Robert L. Johnson, he was the first black billionaire, is calling the federal government to pay reparations. He suggested $14 trillion would be roughly 3,333, well, is that right? $333,400 per black person in America. He also urged lawmakers to pass a decades-old bill that would set the stage for reparations. Okay. Reparations would require the entire country to admit that the result of slavery has been 200 years of systematic racism, and for that reason, black folks have been denied 13 to 15 trillion dollars in wealth, according to Johnson. And therefore, and we as a country must now atone for paying black people all stripes: the rich ones, the poor ones, and the middle out of our pocket. The figure could equate to roughly $333,400 per person. Based on the 2019 data from the U.S. Census Bureau that showed there are approximately 41.9 million, 41 million African Americans in the United States. The wealth gap between black and white Americans exists for many reasons. The effect of redlining in the housing market. Differences in education, home ownership, lower wages, unconscious and conscious biases have all been contributed. Johnson, now 75, told Vice News that $14 trillion payout would be enough money to close the wealth gap. However, he says he's not exactly optimistic. There have been legislation introduced to support reparations for black Americans, a bill to create the Commission to Study and Develop Reparations Proposal for African Americans Act. Uh, otherwise known as H.R. 40, would be a step the reparations controversy in the right direction uh, if passed. The bill was first introduced in 1989 by John Conyers. H.R. 40, when it is passed, will not actually provide reparations for anyone, but what it will do is move us on the road to be more truthful and in the direct conversation about what happened, said Rashad Robinson, president of Color of Change, a civil rights advocacy group. So, um, there have been some local efforts for reparations. Of course, we talked about Bruce's Beach. 
uh, Evansville, Indiana, in March, became the first town in the U.S. to embark on a reparations plan. The Chicago suburb will spend $10 million in total, starting with $400,000 in mortgage and relief for families. So there have been some, of course. Uh, we, we know California has done a study. Uh, Gavin Newsom was behind, at least condoned, the returning of Bruce's Beach uh, to uh, his great-grandson, where that beach was taken from that family back in the 1920s uh, under eminent domain, claimed that they were going to use it for a park and it sat vacant for decades. So this thing is about to happen. Well, I won't say it's about to happen, but I think we're hearing more conversation about this than we've ever heard before. And I know there are a lot of naysayers and it probably will never happen in my lifetime. You know, but the fact that the conversation is being had and needs to continue Continue to be had on a regular basis because this country owes black America a debt. Uh, you know, when I read that figure, I stumbled because 330, that's, that's over a quarter of a million dollars per black person. Just imagine what we could do with that. Imagine the lives that that would change. And you might say, well, that's an awful lot. But think about what black people did for America. Black people went, fought, and died for America and didn't have rights at home. Free labor. America would not be the power that it is today without the free labor of black people in, in, at the beginning of its, its, its uh, creation. So yes, it's time. It's long overdue. I'm sorry, white folks. Nothing's free. I can't go into one of your stores and get anything free because if I do, I'll be arrested or I'll be shot and killed. And you all of a sudden, see, you deserve that. You should have came in my store stealing. Well, you stole a whole race of people. And not only did you steal them, you made them work for you for free. Not only did you make them work for you, you raped their children and sold their children. And then you continued practice after practice after practice, even when the civil rights um, bills were passed you continue to create back doors to your racism we talked about the welfare act and how it was a back door to destroy the black family and it was successful we talked about redlining we talked about the exorbitant rates that black people have to pay over white people it continues today because you can't legislate a person's heart. And we're finding more and more, as we're going to talk about in the next hour, where this country really is. And I'm going to go back and relate the story of how some old white friends are mad at me because I called Christianity an oxymoron. White Christianity. In fact, all of it is an oxymoron as far as I'm concerned. But especially white Christianity. It's a problem. And we're beginning to understand now why it's a problem. Because if I said over and over again, if these people were so Christian and so holy, then black people would not be suffering what they're going through right now. Their schools in disrepair. Their neighborhoods in disrepair. As I said to you, ask a white Christian the next time you see them, when was the last time they shopped at a black business? They don't. They practice economic apartheid on the black community on a regular basis 
every day. The only time they come into the black community is when they want to eat. Because see, that, that built-in stereotype is all black people can do for me is cook. So let's go eat some soul food, honey. You know, remind me of Miss Bessie. You know, when I was a kid, my daddy had a servant. Her name was Miss Bessie. This old black woman. And boy, she used to cook up some stuff on Christmas and New Year's. Woo, Lord. We'll be back in a moment to talk about Christian nationalism and the oxymoron that is white Christianity. You're listening to Black Focus Radio. Our issues, our solutions, our voices on joinedradio.com. Synergy Insurance Group is the small business that we need to turn everybody on to. Javita Nelson is the expert advisor and licensed in 20 states. Synergy Insurance Group has been offering personalized insurance services since 1997. Call Javita at 877-GO-LOVE-INS. She can help you with old-fashioned personal service. Synergy Insurance Group is the one that you want and need for affordable insurance. Specializing in burial plans that will allow you and yours to personalize your final expenses. Check out Synergy Insurance Group on the web at synergyinsgroup.biz. Or talk to Javita at 877-GO-GLOVE-INS. The purpose of this commercial is to promote various insurance products. National producer numbers 1661510 and 7529748. Hi, this is Alvin from Habibi's Durable Medical Equipment Company. Because of COVID, many of us have lost our jobs and are unable to feed our kids like we wish. If your child is underweight, five years of age or older, and on Medicaid, you may be able to get formula to help them regain their healthy weight. You will need a prescription from their primary care physician and give us a call and let us help. Our number is 501-663-1553. We are open five days a week from nine to five. Have your doctor fax your prescription to our fax line, which is 501-661-0738. Today, keeping your child healthy is our priority. That's Habibi's, 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 your durable medical equipment center. We are located 4317 East Broadway in North Little Rock. That number again is 663-1553. 663-1553. Hey guys, this is David Ashley, Deacon David Ashley. I want to turn y'all on to the Deacon Days radio show. It's a praise project. We're going to be playing music from inspirational artists and gospel artists from all over the world never ever heard of and also we'll be interviewing and asking them very pertinent questions to why and how they came up with their music don't forget the Deacon Dave's radio show it's a praise project Saturdays from 10 to 11 on joynetradio.com the views and opinions expressed today on Black Focus Radio are not the views and opinions of the station, its management, or its advertisers. Now, let's get ready to focus on our issues, our solutions, using our voices on Black Focus Radio. 
Welcome to Black Focus, the show designed with our community in mind, where we focus on our issues, developing our solutions, using our voices. Central Arkansas, surrounding areas, and the nation. Get ready. Black Focus starts right now. Phone lines open at 855-525-5683. So here's your host, David W. Coleman and Robert Webb. All right, welcome back to the show, Black Focus Radio. Our issues, our solutions, our voices. 855-525-5683 is the number. That's how you get in touch with us if you'd like to join the show. One hour down, one to go. Shout out to those black billionaires who are finally speaking up. By the way... If you're one of those people who believe that in trickle-down economics, that failed economic policy that they've been pushing on the American people for decades, isn't it time for y'all to wake up? All those white billionaires been lying to you that yeah, we if if we raise the taxes on the rich, they're gonna uh, uh they'll cut jobs. They won't even hell they'll even pay people. Give me a break. Anyway. All right, so this hour, we're going to talk a little bit about Israeli apartheid, and we're going to talk about Christian nationalism because I think it's important uh, for we for us to do that. But before we do that, I want to wade back into the Brittany Griner argument again. To me, it's not an argument. At the end of the day, she was a person who went to another country and broke the law. Yeah, I know it's Russia. But it could be any country. She broke the law. And it seems to me that black people don't seem to want to be an American when you travel overseas. Look, I've told you over and over again that when you go to another country, that old saying, when in Rome, do as Romans, one of the things that you hear uh, from foreigners about Americans when they travel to their country is how rude and obnoxious Americans are. And most of them are white folks. Let's be real honest. I'm an American. I can do what the hell I want. That's them. Okay? And it doesn't bode well for other Americans because what that does is reinforces the stereotype that all Americans are the same. By the way, I'm, my passport is due any day, and I'm just going to tell you, I ain't like them. I'm going to be coming to y'all's country. I ain't like them, okay? I just want y'all to know that. <laughs> but Grider went to another country and broke the law. And people in America, particularly black people who don't understand geopolitics, think that they ought to just let her go because she's an American. And it doesn't work that way. But what makes it even more problematic is now that negotiations seem to be underway, Russians late last week were upset that Americans had even brought up the fact that they were negotiating for her release. And one of the people that they negotiated, uh, that they want in the package deal, is a guy by the name of Victor Bout. Okay? He's a 55-year-old Russian, was the world's most notorious arms dealers before the uh, U.S. court convicted him in 2011 and sent him to prison in Illinois. He's now the focus of a potential prisoner swap between Russia 
and the U.S. The Russians currently hold two Americans. Bout was in his mid-twenties when the Soviet Union fractured in 1991, leaving vast quantities of Soviet military hardware scattered across 15 newly minted countries. Most of them were ill-equipped to pay their troops or keep track of the weapons they had just inherited. Almost anything was available at a price. Trained by a Soviet military as a linguist, Bout began acquiring Soviet military transport planes and loaded them up with weapons. The U.S. says he sold them all over the world. Various reports reported him to wars in Afghanistan. They, they linked him to wars in Afghanistan, Angola, Congo, Lebanon, Somalia, Yemen, and many more. He was entrepreneurial, not ideological, selling to governments that were fighting rebels and to rebels who was fighting governments. Separating fact from fiction, he has often been difficult when documenting Bout's work. But many reports said he even sold arms to both sides in the same conflict. Bout also denied he was selling arms, weapons, claiming he was flying flowers and frozen chickens to some of the world's most violent places. Yeah, right, dude. We really stupid. He was also hard to pin down, but he lived in openly in Moscow, traveled widely, occasionally spoke to reporters, and seemed to welcome at least some of the attention. He became notorious, that hot, uh, so notorious that, of course, the movie The Lord of War, starring Nick Nicholas Cage, was about him. Bout was named the Mer Merchant of Death, which was also the title of his biography. Despite facing international sanctions and threats of arrest, Bout managed to stay a step ahead of the law until 2008 when he was captured in a sting operation in Thailand, coordinated by the USDEA. The Thais extradited Bao to the U.S. two years later where he was charged with conspiring to kill Americans. He was convicted in Manhattan Court of 2011 and is less than halfway through a 25-year sentence at a prison in Marion, Illinois. So, to make a long story short, folks, they want that guy who was convicted of killing Americans. And they want us to swap him for Brittany Griner. I'm going to say it like this. I say, hell to the no, 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 no. I'm sorry, Brittany. I know this is an emotional thing for some of you all. I know all of a sudden y'all are WNBA fans despite the recent videos, which reminds me, just a side note. I saw a video of a guy who was stopping women on the street and asking them did they even know the, the lady's name who was being held by the Russians. And every woman that he stopped, they did not know Brittany Griner's name. They didn't even know her name. He would also ask them, Will, can you name one WNBA team? And all, again, all the women that he asked that question to, not one of them could name a WNBA team. So this is just a side note from this story. Those of you out there, you feminists, 
who think that WNBA players ought to be paid the same as NBA players, how is that possible when y'all don't even go to the same, go to the WNBA games? Y'all don't even go to the games. Y'all can't even name a player. What was the name of the player that just got cut from the LA Sparks who walked away from a contract? Do y'all know that? You don't. It's a classic example of you all wanting something for free. You don't deserve the same money that WNBA, that NBA players make because they turn in the big bucks. Y'all don't. And most of the time, women don't even go see other women play. So let's stop the cap on that issue. Oh, cold water. Now let's go back to Brittany Griner. Griner learned a valuable lesson. And I hope all of you do too, because I noticed that there are more and more Americans traveling abroad. Don't take the chance. If it's questionable, don't put it in your luggage. I know people right now here in America who travel with marijuana. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm being honest. I know people who travel with marijuana in their bags, in their carry-ons. And I'm like, y'all, y'all are crazy. They never get stopped, though. It's weird. But when you go abroad, that's different. Their laws are something. And look, let's be honest. They're watching you anyway because you're an American. They're waiting for you to screw up. So, because they don't like you anyway. If Griner doesn't have that hashish in that hashish oil in her possession, do the Russians stop her? I tend to believe no, because then they would have really been in hot water. They probably, no doubt, they were looking at her. They were watching her. This was an opportunity that presented itself that I don't think they expected. That that Griner would bring attempt to bring ill an illegal substance into their country. It was, it was perfect. It was a perfect thing for them. And Griner fell right into it because of her arrogance. And now many of you all are saying, hey, we need to swap an arms dealer. Someone who has killed people all around the world. Someone who has sold illegal arms. Don't give me that mess about, well, America has done it too. Yeah, they have. But, this is geopolitical chess here. And to just fall on that simplistic answer is shows it shows just how much you don't know what's at stake here. There's a reason why Russia wants this guy back. We should not be exchanging a damn WNBA basketball player for her. And then some people say, uh, well, if it was LeBron, we'd do it. Oh, really? Well, let's let's Let's, let's ferret that out for a minute. Do you think LeBron would have a lot more sense than Griner and not do that? Not try to bring illegal substances into an, a foreign country? So you just can't say, if it was LeBron, they'd do it. You, you can't make that argument because you don't know. And the bottom line is, LeBron would never have to go through that checkpoint. <laughs> 
And the other bottom line is LeBron wouldn't be in Russia playing. Oh, well, she was over there playing because she couldn't feed her family. Yeah, yeah, she could. We talked about her salary. Something like $300,000 a month she lives on. Give me a break. Let me get three. Look, give me $300,000 one time, let alone $300,000 a month. So this argument that she had to go play in Russia to make ends meet, hell, excuse me? She's a basketball player. If she can't make ends meet on that salary, that meager salary that she's making from the WNBA, well, maybe she need to go get a part-time job. Sometimes, you know, old people say, well, baby, I know that's your dream, but you got to pay the bills, honey. And if you're saying that you can't live and pay bills over $300,000 a month, you might need to go get another job, Brittany. And stop being a dope pusher. And stop expecting the United States to negotiate with terrorists. Because the argument has been for decades that we don't negotiate with terrorists. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to be a huge mistake on the Biden's administration if, in fact, they trade over Victor Blount. What is that going to do for America? All right, yeah, you have two Americans home. But at the end of the day, the Russians will have another uh, weapons dealer that will be out on the market selling weapons that will kill Americans. But we got Brittany back, man. I'm glad to see her back on the court. Woo! Scott Whelan is the other American that's there that nobody ever talks about. And people get mad at me when they post about Brittany. And I say, well, why are y'all so patriotic about Brittany? Shouldn't the other Americans come home? Nobody ever says a peep about Scott Whelan. In fact, the Biden administration won't even, won't even meet with the Whelan family. But he met with Brittany's fake wife or husband or whatever she, they are. Are they wife and wife? What are they? I, I don't know. Don't get mad at me because I ain't getting all them labels. Don't care. But the Biden administration met with her. Wheeling has been over there three years. And the Biden administration won't meet with the Whelan family. And I guarantee you, Scott Whelan probably is much more valuable than Brittany. Brittany Griner. I'm sorry. We're talking geopolitical stuff here. And because y'all don't get it, you can get mad all you want. But I'm saying is the United States should not be negotiating with terrorists. If that is our stand, then it needs to be across the board. Across the board. And that's just the bottom line on it. 855 525-5683 is the number. Speaking of terrorists, one other note. Uh, this past weekend, the Donald Trump, they I'm not going to even call the golf, uh, the, the, uh, the, the tournament's name, but let me just say this. There is a new golf entity on stage. Those of you who don't, and, and yeah, it's sports, but it's, this is more than about sports. They're called the LIV uh, Tour. And it is funded by Saudi, the Saudi, Ameri uh, Saudi Arabian government. They just had a tournament this past weekend at one of Donald Trump's 
golf courses. Now, I'm going to say it like this. But again, I'm tired of the hypocrisy. Last I checked, wasn't it the Saudi Saudi Arabian government? Wasn't 15 of the 19 hijackers on 9-11? Wasn't it wasn't 15 of uh, 19 of them from Saudi Arabia? Wasn't they weren't they funded by Saudi Arabia? You go back and look. I mean, uh, this is nothing new. Why are golfers around the nation taking the blood money of Saudi Arabia when they flew planes into World Trade Center and the Pentagon. Why are they doing that? And why are we in sports? And why are we in general sitting back and as if this is not a big deal? What's wrong with you, Phil Mickelson? How can any American, you talk about Colin Kaepernick, You, I haven't seen any of you white folks be upset with Phil Mickelson. For taking this money, this blood money. And Donald Trump for taking this blood money. And Donald Trump even had the unmitigated God to say over the weekend that the, the it wasn't conclusive that the Saudi Arabia government had anything to do with this. I say horse hockey. Yeah, I said horse hockey. You can get mad all you want. I will not watch anything with LIV. Period. And it's time to have an American backlash. At the end of the day, this is a money grab for a lot of these players. They are paying exorbitant amounts of money to players to come and play on the LIV circuit. And look, I'm not a big fan of the PGA, but I applaud the PGA that said, if you go play on that circuit, then you're no longer a member of the PGA. Now, I know they were doing it for self-preservation. I understand that. But now when you ferret it all out and you began to understand where this money is coming from, where this, this new golf circuit is being created, and who created it, Mohammed bin Solomon was responsible for the death of Khashoggi, an American journalist and Donald Trump and his mission, uh, his uh, his uh, organization did nothing. They killed an American, and you, Phil Mickelson, is going to go and take this money. Not only did they kill an American, they destroyed two of the most iconic emblems in America: the World Trade Center. These hijackers, these terrorists were funded by the Saudi government. Let's stop the cap. And it's time for people to call out LIV, Phil Mickelson, and all those other guys. And I'm thankful they offered Tiger money. Tiger said, "Mm, no, I don't think so. Where's all your patriotism? This is why I tell white folks, y'all were upset at Colin Kaepernick because he dared to challenge the white power structure. Now, here we are where the Saudi government is funding a, a golf tournament 
and hijacking American players, and none of these players are facing a backlash. None of these players are being uh, accused of anti-Americanism. There's something wrong with this. We'll take a break. Because see, what the real deal is, long as white people can be anti-American, it's okay. Well, But when people who are really being discriminated against, who is really being crapped on, when they open their head to complain, they get beat down figuratively and literally. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Black Focus Radio. Our issues, our solutions, our voices on joinetradio.com. Insurance Group is the small business that we need to turn everybody on to. Javita Nelson is the expert advisor and licensed in 20 states. Synergy Insurance Group has been offering personalized insurance services since 1997. Call Javita at 877-GO-LOVE-INS. She can help you with old-fashioned personal service. Synergy Insurance Group is the one that you want and need for affordable insurance. Specializing in burial plans that will allow you and yours to personalize your final expenses. Check out Synergy Insurance Group on the web at synergyinsgroup.biz. Or talk to Javita at 877-GO-GLOVE-INS. The purpose of this commercial is to promote various insurance products, national producer numbers 1661510 and 7529748. Hi, this is Alvin from Habibi's Durable Medical Equipment Company. Because of COVID, many of us have lost our jobs and, uh, and are unable to feed our kids like we wish. If your child is underweight, five years of age or older, and on Medicaid, you may be able to get formula to help them regain their healthy weight. You will need a prescription from their primary care physician and give us a call and let us help. Our number is 501-663-1553. We are open five days a week from nine to five. Have your doctor fax your prescription to our fax line, which is 501-661-0738 today. Keeping your child healthy is our priority. That's Habibi's, 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 your durable medical equipment center. We are located 4317 East Broadway in North Little Rock. That number again is 663-1553. 663-1553. Hey guys, this is David Ashley, Deacon David Ashley. I want to turn y'all on to the Deacon Days radio show. It's a praise project. We're going to be playing music from inspirational artists and gospel artists from all over the world never ever heard of and also we'll be interviewing and asking them very pertinent questions to why and how they came up with their music don't forget the Deacon Dave's radio show it's a praise project Saturdays from 10 to 11 on joynetradio.com
Thank you for calling. Call, uh, thank you for listening to Black Focus Radio. Our issues, our solutions, our voices. 855-525-5683 is the number. Hit me up on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Also, don't forget, download the podcast. If you'd like to send me an email, blackfocusradio at gmail.com. This segment, I want to talk about Christian nationalism. I'm going to relay a story to you that we talked about but about a month ago. Uh, if you've listened to the show for any period of time, you know that I've often talked about white Christians and their hypocrisy. And they are hypocrites. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. As a matter of fact, uh, if, if you believe in the Bible, and if you believe in what the Bible is all about, Christianity, there's nothing that white Christians can use to compare themselves to any of it. Any of the teachings, any of the morals, any of that. All we need to do is go back and look at the inception of this country. Those who thought they were Christians were raping little girls and little boys and castrating men and hanging men and dismembering men. Those who call themselves Christians. They're certainly not funding schools. They're moving away from you because they don't want to be around you. These are your Christian, your white Christian brothers. Even the Southern Baptist Convention, the, the biggest, um, uh, the biggest Protestant convention in America refused to put writing or at least language into their bylaws where they would renounce bigotry and racism. So much so that many of the black churches that were part of that, that organization walked out. Still hadn't figured out why they were even part of that. Well, we know why they were part of it. They were being paid by the SBC. If you are in a Baptist church, by the way, side note here, take some notes, get a pencil and a paper. Do you know who's paying your preacher if you're a Baptist? Is it the Southern Baptist Convention? Is it? Because you know what they're doing, right? This is why your preacher doesn't participate in black issues anymore. Because it could be that he's being paid by Southern Baptists, white folks. And they've told him, hey, you need to calm down your rhetoric or we're going we're gonna to cut your check off. I'm not exaggerating. Go do the research yourself. So you might need to ask your pastor. If you got one of those pastors running around who's black and who's a Republican, he might be being paid off by the Southern Baptist Convention. Those good old white Christians. I've said over and over again, you know, why are black people spending so much time trying to solve racism in America? We didn't create it. It's kind of like when the mad scientist creates a monster, everybody runs to the mad scientist to tell him, hey, you got to stop this. You created it. Tell us what to do to kill it. So the mad scientists are white people who created racism. They created this. So they are the ones who are going to have to get rid of it. And if they wanted to get rid of it, if it's the plague upon the land that we all know it is, certainly sensible people in that race can figure, that, figure out that it is, why hadn't they moved to get rid of it? My argument is that they don't want to get rid of it. They understand what it's all about. They understand 
their white privilege and how it benefits them. They've always understood it. It goes back to the cartoon that I tell you about, about the white man standing over the black baby with the gun and a knife and the gun is smoking and he's, he's saying, the caption reads, I have to kill you now. This, by the way, this cartoon was published in 1857. It says, I have to, I have to kill you now because one day you're going to grow up to rule me. That's what it's really all about. You all don't understand that. So, white Christians, they are oxymorons. And I posted that on a friend's wall and a lot of, uh, well, they were classmates of mine and a lot of them got upset. It's unfair. I'm a great Christian. No, you're not. You're a liar. You, you live, you, you, what you're having is cognitive dissonance. Uh, dissonance. You're not a great Christian because you're not doing everything you can to fight racism and you probably attend a church that is doing just the opposite. You probably attend a church that voted for Donald Trump. One of the most bigoted presidents in the history of, of, of America and certainly in modern times. White Christianity is an oxymoron because there are so many ills that is put upon this country and you all refuse to do anything about it. Don't get mad at me because you know I'm telling the truth. You have been hijacked by racist and bigots. As a matter of fact, you weren't hijacked. You always had these people. They were just hiding in the closet and waiting for their opportunity to jump out and say, boo. And here they are. And none of you all are doing anything about it. You all are still going to church with these people. You're still going to, uh, inviting them over for dinner and barbecues. Oh, that's just Bob. He's always like that. He doesn't really mean it. Yeah, he did. Because you were the one that turned Bob in to the FBI when you saw January 6th. And there was Bob. So now, here's what, there's a new movement where they're telling you what they are. And they don't mind. They call themselves, here's what Major Taylor Greene said. The Republican Party should unabashedly embrace a platform of Christian nationalism. Okay? We need to be the party of nationalism, and I'm a Christian, and I say it proudly. We should be Christian nationalists. Do you know what a Christian nationalist is? So let me give you a little background. Christian nationalism tends to erase the distinction between Christian and nationalist and also the separation between church and state. Adherents believe that the U.S. should be founded as a Christian nation. The founding fathers were all orthodox evangelical Christians and God has chosen the United States for the special rule in history, according to John Blake for CNN. Their beliefs are based on a bad reading of history. Some of the founding founders were Christians, but others were not, which we've talked about that on the show, if you understand history. They were a collection of atheists, Unitarians, Diasts, and liberal Protestants and other denominations. Hello? These were your founding fathers. They all were not Christian. We've, we've talked about this. 
Christian nationalism takes that bad history and blends it with nearly apocalyptic views on the future threat to Christian heritage. Those supposed threats come from rapid demographic ch political change and legal change. Let me read that again. And I'm going to tell you what that really means. Okay. Those supposed threats come from rapid demographic, legal, and political change. The, the rise of LGBTQ rights and Black Lives Matter and the movement tends to explain those changes using conspiracy theories like QAnon, the theory that America is in the grips of child molestating elites. There's also a racial movement or racial component. Researchers often use the term white Christian nationalism to describe a movement as an expression of Christianity that is shaped by white conservative nativist understandings of what it meant to be an American. One survey in 2021 found that support for the racist great replacement theory correlates strongly with the white Christian nationalist reviews. Perhaps the most distinguishable, the political behavior scholars research indicates that Christian nationalism in the United States is associated with increased support for political violence, which leads us to the next question. What did Christian nationalists have to do with January 6th? Now, we won't get all into that, but you might want to go and read this article because I want to go back to a portion that I read because here's what this really breaks down to mean. Let me go back and read this. Christian nationalism takes that bad history and blends it with nearly apocalyptic views on future threats to the Christian heritage. Now, think about this. I don't give a damn that black folks are Christian. This is all about white Christians. If some of you black folks come along for the ride, so be it. But this is about white folks. It just told you. Their supposed threats come from rapid demographic change, legal and political change, the rise of LBTQ rights, and Black Lives Matter. So here's the bottom line, folks. This is all fear of 2042. Y'all don't get it, black folks. White, po white folks have been getting this for years. They're scared to death of 2042. It's going to happen. It ain't changing. So what they're doing right now is trying to codify in law white minority rule. Y'all aren't getting it because y'all are too stupid. Yeah, I called you stupid. Because before you know it, you're going to wake up and you're going to be in apartheid. That's something we're going to talk about here in a moment. Yeah, you all are too young. Many of y'all are too young to even understand what apartheid is or what it was. Y'all didn't grow up during the era of apartheid in South Africa. You all don't understand Nelson Mandela and Stephen Biko and the hundreds and hundreds of black folks that were murdered by a minority rule. This is what they're trying to do in America. This is about 2042. See, where they're dealing with false conspiracy theories, this is not a conspiracy theory. This is fact. 2042 is going to happen. 
They can't change that. They will be minorities. They can't change that. So what they're trying to do now is codify in law minority rule. That's what you're seeing what the Republicans are doing. And the white Christian nationalists are those people. And not only that, they want to codify religion in law that makes this a Christian nation. When it is not, I've clearly talked about it over and over again. As you all know, I am a very accomplished historian. I've told you in depth what the founding fathers were all about. I've told you what they believed in. I've even went in and, and even delineated the number of slaves that they had. So if you're talk, telling me that those people were Christian, then I don't want any part of that Christianity. In fact, that's part of the reason I'm not Christian today, because I sit and I watch both black and white Christians. If y'all are Christians, I don't want anything, anything to do with it, especially black Christians. I expect white people to be the way they are, but I certainly don't expect black people to fall hook, line, and sinker for this mess. But y'all do. That's your business. That's the great thing about America. You can worship who you please. But the problem with Christian nationalism is that they want to make a Christian, this, this nation Christian, whereas it dominates all other religions. That's not what this country was founded upon. This country was founded upon freedom of religion. Freedom of religion. That means that anyone, anyone can worship the way they want. I often use one of the extreme examples, and that's snake worshipers. I happened to see a, a video of one just the other day. And sure enough, that person got bitten and died. Sure did. But you know what? The U.S. government can't go in and stop those people from worshiping snakes. And there have been a number of people in that religion who have died over the decades. But the U.S. government can't stop that. Remember David Koresh? David Koresh had his own commune. The U.S. government was concerned about David Koresh, but they couldn't go in and stop David Koresh because that was his religion. Jim Jones was another. He took 500-some people to their death because people believed in him as some type of savior. Donald Trump damn near threw, uh, overthrew the government, because there are white people out there who thought that he was some type of savior. Christian nationalism. And now you've got a senator who is openly claiming Christian nationalism. It goes a lot deeper than that, folks. When you go back and you look at the creator of Christian nationalism, he was a virulent racist. So why are we sitting around pretending like this doesn't happen? Why are we sitting around pretending like we can't do anything about it? This needs to be nipped in the bud before it's too late. And excuse me, and it might already be too late because they've already taken over over a party. I wonder if everybody that's a Republican are they Christians? I wonder. I wonder if any of them have ever read the Bible because it's pretty clear you haven't. So when my friends get upset with me when I say white Christianity is an oxymoron, don't get upset. Look in the mirror. Ask yourself, well, why is David saying that? See, I'm not saying it for hyperbolic stress. I'm not saying it to upset you. I'm saying it because I see it every day. I see how you don't want women to have an abortion, yet when those babies get here, you don't want to feed them. I see how you do the elderly. I see all the things that you do in the name of Christianity, yet what the Bible that I know, the Bible that I read, the Bible that I grew up in, 
It doesn't resemble anything that you do, white folks. I know no one's perfect, but you can't fawn Christianity and then act like the devil. And that's your history. In the name of God, you raped little girls and impregnated them and then sold their babies. In the name of God, you raped little boys. In the name of God, you enslaved an entire people. In the name of God, you built a nation on the backs of an entire people and didn't pay them one red cent in the name of God. And you continue to pass policies even today that affect those very descendants of those people that you initially crapped on in the name of God. Christian nationalism is nothing more than a, a I should say, a hood for bigotry and racism in America. That's what this is really all about. Don't listen to me. Don't believe me. Go do the research for yourself. All you got to do is go out and Google the origin of Christian nationalism. Tell you what, quite often you don't realize that I do that on this show. Just like right now, if I want to do, look, the origin of Christian nationalism. Boom. It just popped up. You can go read for yourself. This is dangerous. We are in a time in America where those who are real patriots are going to have to stand up. And I fear that at some point there may be war. I hope not. I hope that I hope that common sense brains prevail. But you know, fear will make you do some crazy stuff. And white people are scared. And the question is, why are you so afraid to be a minority? Is being a minority bad or something? Do minorities get treated bad? I mean, I'm a little confused here. You would tend to believe, based on what Christian nationalists say, Republican Party says, that minorities are getting over. They're getting all this free stuff. So it's not a bad deal to be a minority. So why are you afraid to be one? I'm just asking for a friend. Okay? 855-525-5683 is the number. That's how and look, I'd like to talk to you people. But you're not going to talk to me. Because you really have no logic here. The irony is that you talk about being a Christian nationalist. And you're a Christian and you follow Jesus. And the things that you do, you don't even resemble anything what Jesus would have done. In fact, if you saw Jesus today walking down the street based on the description of Jesus in the Bible, you would call the police on him. 
You know I'm telling the truth. You are doing nothing but using this as a smokescreen to hide your bigotry and racism. And it needs to be exposed. And every chance I get, I'm going to try and expose it. We're seeing it play out before our very eyes, the bigotry and the racism that is Christianity. And as I said before, and I'll say it again, Christianity, white Christians is an oxymoron. When we come back, we got to talk about apartheid that's going on in Israel and how white Christians are supporting it. Back in a moment, you're listening to Black Focus Radio, our issues, our solutions, our voices on joinedradio.com. host of Black Focus Radio and the weekly sports magazine. We here at joinedradio.com would like to thank you for all the love and support you've given us. Our goal is to keep you inspired and informed daily with quality programming from gospel music, news talk, and sports. Log on to joinedradio.com for the program lineup and while there, be sure to make a donation. Then download our app and carry us anywhere in the world. Please continue to spread the word about joinedradio.com And if you are an entrepreneur or have an upcoming event or you'd like to start a show, let the professional writers and producers here at joinedradio.com help you get the word out. Call me at 615-554-0568 for more details. In the meantime, stay informed and inspired daily right here on joinedradio.com. Hello to quality time at Marco's. Hello to the best part of the day and to making someone else's. Say hello to late nights and to the best night ever. These are the primo moments, and they call for Italian quality pizza. Dough made from scratch every day. Sauce with a history in the making from the original Giamarco recipe. Say hello to an authentic favorite. Every store, every day, the Italian way. Hello, primo. David W. Coleman here for Coleman's Dynamic Rib Rub and Rib Nuts. Go to ribrub.com, that's R-I-B-B-R-U-B-B.com right now, and stock up on the best dry marinades for baking, grilling, and smoking your favorite meats. Three great flavors, hot and spicy, original, and scorching. Try them at your next cookout and you'll shout, bacon, grill it, shake it, oh yeah! Only one place to get Coleman's Dynamic products, that's ribrub.com. Easy to order and I'll ship direct to you or to friends and family anywhere in the United States. While on the site, be sure to check out other great items, especially the rib nuts. Who'd have thunk it? Peanuts sautéed in a barbecue marinade? That's just crazy good. Get them at ribrub.com right now, along with other great recipes. That's ribrub.com. If you don't like my rib rub or rib nuts, 
I'll give you money back. Do it today. That's Coleman's Dynamic Products at ribrub.com. Hey folks, are you looking for a place to exchange ideas and talk about the issues that affect our community? Then join me, David W. Coleman, and my co-host, Robert Webb, for Black Focus Radio every Monday through Friday, noon to 2 p.m. on joinatradio.com. We like to say, it's our issues, our solutions, our voices. Download the latest podcast on your favorite platform. Also catch us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. That's Black Focus Radio. Our issues, our solutions, our voices on joinatradio.com. segment for today's show hope you've enjoyed it it's called black focus radio our issues our solutions our voices periodically we have to do that um you know if i had a son or a daughter or even a friend and i was giving them money to let's say pay the car note or their their rent or their mortgage or help them take care of themselves, I would expect that they would respect the money that I give them and certainly the advice that I'd offer them. But there's a stepchild that we have as America that is doing some unspeakable things to people. And we continue to give them money. And let's not beat around the bush. That stepchild is Israel the country of Israel. In 2019, the United States gave Israel $3.8 billion of taxpayer money. The same Israel that is bulldozing houses of Palestinians. The same Israel that is shooting dead children, men, and women. The same Israel that is bombing out various places in Palestine in order to take over and live. The same Israel that if a Palestinian leaves his or her house, when he comes home, they're liable to be an Israeli living in that house. And that Palestinian no longer has a home. The United States supports them hook, line, and sinker with American tax dollars. So much so and the thing that the thanks that Israel did has given us is only spy on American technology. The Walker spy trials was a great book written by that. I've gotten that. I've got that somewhere that I read. It reads like a novel of how they spied on America. And then instead of them going to prison, they sent them to Israel to live out the rest of their lives. But there are people in South Africa who are raising Cain about Israel and wants the United Nations to declare Israel an apartheid state just based on some of the things that we've said. One of those officials, by the way, is Anakin Hortfeld. Okay? And they're trying to encourage Norway, but Norway continues 
to support Israel. South African science and technology minister Nefeldi brought that point up on July 26th at the United Nations. Norway closely follows the human rights situation in Palestine. Now this is Norway responding to the South African minister. In Palestine and Israel, we take very seriously the many violations of human rights and international humanitarian law against Palestinians that the UN Human Rights Organizations and others report. We are familiar with the report from Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, and others. They are still in dialogue with Israel about other things. There's money to be made. Again, your Christian white folks. Long as there's money to be made, they'll turn the other cheek. They'll turn, in fact, they won't even turn the other cheek. They'll just turn around and walk away. We had an American journalist killed a couple of months ago in Israel that was targeted by the Israeli government and the American government, including the Biden administration, hasn't done a damn thing about it. What are we really supporting here? What's real here? This makes no sense whatsoever. But they're being supported with our tax dollars. And anytime someone in America dares to criticize Israel, the first thing they are, they are fashioned with is, oh, you're anti-Semitic. No, I'm pro-human being. And at the end of the day, what you all are doing to the Palestinians is an abomination and with American taxpayers' dollars. I have a say. Those are my dollars that are going to Israel. That is killing men, women, and children and raising their homes and bulldozing their homes. Those are my dollars. And for you to simply tell us to shut up, we have no say. That's a bunch of crap. And it will be nice that we got some American leaders who dare to broach the subject of what they are doing to human beings in Israel. You can't tell me about human rights violations in other parts of the country and you go to war for that. Yet you support an organization, a country that is doing the very same thing. Talking out both sides of your neck. That's that white Christianity all over again. It's an ugly theme around the world. And the irony is that many people will tell you that the Jews didn't even, they didn't even exist the way it is described in the Bible. And it's certainly not those Jews. I'm not being anti-Semitic. I'm being historically factual. You see, if you tell a lie long enough, people will believe it. We've, we've seen that the last four years with the Donald Trump administration. But the fact of the matter is what we've seen is that the whole history that Jews have been telling us about the, the Torah and all that other stuff is nothing more than a lie. Just like the Bible. I'm sorry. Not to offend you or everything. If that's what you worship, that's fine. But my tax dollars shouldn't be used to kill people. And that's what's going on here. And at some point, we have got to start standing up and saying, 
Enough is enough. Enough is enough. And that's the bottom line. Either way, it's time for us to go. We got to get on up out of here. Show went fast today. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you back tomorrow. Got a great quote for you. Before he was burned alive by the Spaniards, Chief Hardaway, or I should say Chief Atui of the island of Hispaniola was asked if he would accept Christianity to go to heaven. Hatui asked whether or not Spaniards go to heaven. To which the priest responded, they do. Hatui declined, saying he would rather go to hell where he wouldn't see such cruel people. Wow. Y'all have a good day. You've been listening to Black Focus, where we discuss our issues with our solutions and our voices. Join us every weekday afternoon at 1 p.m. on joinetradio.com.